0: AAT Bird's Weekly Report is the Eagle
1: News. Notes and analysis you need. going on everybody happy wednesday night it is that time we have waited a whole bunch of weeks but everybody it is officially giants week we are live here on the aat birds weekly report i am chip a chip for the birds and umpire stories joined as always by johnny U at johnny U nine three two two and joined by kendall kendall i don't see your little name like what's what's your uh your login I, again bud
2: K back eagles
1: K back I, one of these days i'll, I'll learn that but I think I I got lost on that because I'm so excited for our guest tonight. He is the self-proclaimed oldest beat reporter in the entire NFL. It is Paul DeTino who has been a beat reporter for the Giants since 1983. And he was just talking with Phil since he said, listen, Phil, I got to get off. I got a much more important show to do. And he hopped on the AAT Birds Weekly Report, Opposition Outlook, and he's going to talk – all things Giants-related. So, Paul, we want to thank you for joining us tonight uh, for what is probably one of the top two or three rivalries in the entire NFL.
0: Well, thanks for the introduction. Excuse me, I got to go get my gallon of Jared Paul and then we'll continue <laughs> this conversation. <Yeah.
1: laughs> we were talking off air, and you know, look, we, we always joke about it. So, I, one of the things that I love about this, this show is we get to talk to, you know, Commanders fans and Cowboys fans, and we know that we don't necessarily like the team – But the people that we talked to, that we've been able to talk to because of these weekly reports. I mean, Paul is incredible at what he does. Otherwise, you know, he wouldn't have been doing it for 40 years. But just for the 5, 10 minutes we were talking off air, we laughed. We had a good time. So we're tonight's going to be a fun
2: one, I think.
0: Okay, I certainly hope so. I think it will be. You know, fellas, uh, several years ago when the NFL decided to backload the schedules with the division rival games. Come on. You 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 gotta admit that's probably one of the best things that Roger Goodell did. In all honesty, I mean, you can look at his resume and say, "All right, some things you like, some things you didn't like." This particular item, backloading the schedule, I I, I just love the December rivalry games. I I think they add so much spice to the season.
1: I I think I like yeah, them. I think what they do, which is so good, is that they allow for important games. Um, even when all else could already be claimed and loaded up. It does run into situations, though, like we've had in previous years where there's nothing to play for in those late-season games, and you get um, quarterbacks that play that cost teams the playoffs, and we don't like to mention certain names, but the Eagles are Oh, are I good. know
0: very exactly much <laughs> what you're talking about.
1: The Eagles are really good I at like Week like 17, it. you know? yeah.
0: Look, I, I will say this, you know, the downside to that is obviously here we are all all the way into December before the Giants and Eagles have played. And I get that, the anticipation of, oh, you love to play those division games. But I, I still think that there's more value in putting them mm-hmm. later on in the season. And if I had my druthers, I would keep it. Obviously, the league has decided that it's worked out. Because I think in most cases, the games are more meaningful, most of the mm-hmm. time certainly that game that you're referring to was very meaningful to, for the division, just not for your team. Yeah. <laughs> a little. Yeah,
3: it, It's just crazy. You think about the Eagles back in 2020, you look at that game and kind of where they were then, kind of where they're at now. It's just it, it's yeah. just a crazy flip of the script in a matter of uh, two years where they're at. Um, and, you know, for what I want to start off, you know, we usually do, Uh, especially with the team we haven't played, which divisional, we haven't played you guys yet, uh, the Giants. So give us kind of a recap of the Giants season, which has been pretty surprising because a lot of people did not see the Giants at this point um, with the record they have and where they're at right now. So kind of give a little synopsis of what they've been through this year so far.
0: Well, you you guys know what the records were seven and one, and then they went uh, and only won one of their last five games. I mean, you know, to get to 7-4-1 and one in this particular fashion has been rather disappointing because, you know, they came out of the gate really, really strong, and they kept playing these one-score games and gutting things out and winning in the fourth quarter, you know, which I think was the most gratifying thing that you could say about this team. Uh, you mentioned just a moment ago how the Eagles in two years have kind of turned things around. Well, so have the Giants, not to the same degree as Philadelphia, which in my opinion, the Eagles are the best team in the NFC and certainly can can claim that they're contenders for the best team in the NFL. Uh, So their turnaround has been much more dramatic. Of course, they had more money to do what they did. They acquired a number of big-name free agents and got some trades going, and all of a sudden, wow, they really got it flying. The, The Giants, obviously not to the same degree, but the cap issues they had with all of the injury issues they've had, They haven't been able to rebound that high, but they've certainly rebounded to the point where they're a solid playoff contender. Look, I like to call the NFL the quicksand of mediocrity. It has been that way for the better part of a decade, maybe even longer. It's because of the way the rules are set up with the salary cap, with the waivers, with with everything that the NFL has done because they want parity, right? I call it mediocrity. And the quicksand of mediocrity means you have a small handful of teams that are truly the best teams in the league. The teams Mm -hmm. that probably could have competed 25 years ago with some of the better playoff teams and said, yeah, that could be a competitive tussle. But then you've got another group of teams in the middle. There's about 20 teams right now that are in the quicksand every week. And one week, one team gets out to its waist. And then the next week, that team falls down And they're in quicksand up to their necks. And then it goes vice versa again the following week. That's just the way it is in this league. So I call it the quicksand of mediocrity. And there's very little separating all of those teams in the quicksand. And the Giants are one of them. And then you have the bottom feeders who, in all honesty, are in the basement. And the stairs that lead up to the first floor are basically greased with oil and butter. And teams like Houston are not getting yeah. there because nah. they're down in the basement and the lights, the lights are off. Uh, there's a leaky furnace, uh, there's rats crawling around. It's it, it's not a great place to be. Okay. And and that's what the NFL has become. But what is the byproduct of that? The byproduct is you have a ton of close games, a ton of one-score games, a ton of competitive games, a ton of Playoff races right to the final game of the season. And my point to you in explaining all of that is this Are the Giants a typical seven, four, and one team that would have done that 25 years ago? No, absolutely not. When you think of a seven, four, and one team, you think of a certain quality or a certain level of team that has X number of really good players, few Pro Bowlers on it, and okay, that team has a real chance to win at least two or three rounds of playoff games. But that's not what the NFL is anymore, guys. It is the quicksand of mediocrity. So all you have to do is get out of the quicksand up to your knees, and you can be a 7-4-1 and one team like the New York Giants. And I give them credit for playing smart football, for having tremendous guts and fortitude and grit and intensity. The truth of the matter is the Giants roster has been once again ravaged with injury, Mm -hmm. and that is the biggest reason why they have only won one of their last five games. More than anything else, okay, i am be honest with you, it's not the opponent's, Mm -hmm. it's not even some self-inflicted wounds and mistakes that they've certainly made. More than anything else, the injury list has been the Giants' biggest opponent and has Shove them back up to their belts in the quicksand to where now they have to fight over the last few weeks of the season to get that playoff spot and in all honesty they should have earned rather easily had they had most of their starters especially on defense intact and oh yeah by the way they got a receiving core that's as paper thin as a box of kleenex
1: Well, and so that was going to be one of my questions because when we did all of our preseason previews, we looked at the NFC East and we could see, you know, the the Eagles got drastically better. The the commanders, we thought, kind of stayed the same. The Cowboys, we felt, got worse, um, mostly because of their offensive line stuff. The Giants – I personally felt were very lateral. And you looked at how bad their receiving core was last year and somehow it managed to get worse this year. So I guess my question is, how exactly are the Giants doing it? Specifically, is Brian Dable that good of a coach?
0: Oh, it's not just Dable. It's Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator, and mm-hmm. it's Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator. Actually, it's the whole staff, to be frank with you. The entire coaching staff is excellent. I think top to bottom, they're one of the best in the NFL. And I give a tremendous amount of credit also to the personnel department because until this second round of injuries have ravaged this team to the point where they're struggling to survive, until that time, they were getting injuries all during the first half of the season too. But yet their backups were doing a really good job of keeping this team afloat. And again, that's because it is a pool of quicksand. Look, I'm going to tell you something, fellas. The game the other day against Washington that tied, I'm going to use this as a great example of of why the the league is as it is and why records can be deceiving and also, quite frankly, why I truly believe the Giants have been victimized so much by the injury bug. Mm -hmm. They're leading Washington by a touchdown in the fourth quarter. And Washington goes on a 90-yard drive to tie it with like a minute and a half to go. And then in overtime, obviously nobody scores. Well, in the fourth quarter of that game and in overtime, the Giants had exactly four defensive players on the field who were expected starters in week one of the season. Julian Love, Dexter Lawrence, Aziz Ojalari, and Kayvon Thibodeau. Seven of the 11 players on the field at that time for that defense that tried to hold that lead and then held Washington scoreless on two possessions in overtime were players that at most would have played minimal snaps this year, if at all. I believe if I'm not mistaken, four of the seven players who were on the field did not even have a job before week one. They had been thrown out. They were on the scrap heap by other NFL teams and the Giants picked them up. Okay. So is it, is is it, is it a credit to this coaching staff that they were able to actually sustain survival that they only gave up a tying touchdown and then actually held on and got the tie in overtime. This is what we're talking about, fellas. I mean, seriously, they, they had to go down to the practice squad on Sunday to elevate a five-year rookie from Florida Atlantic named Zion Gilbert to play starting cornerback. Get that, fellas. (laughs) Think about it for a minute. Think about that. It's insane what they have had a guard through. They have dug from here to China to try to get guys on the field on Sunday. So – Do I have tremendous admiration for this coaching staff? Look, I'm going to tell you something. I told people in training camp, the Giants will win eight games. And if things fall the right way, and if this Meadowlands injury bug, which, by the way, needs a giant can of raid sprayed right in its face so it'll get out of here for a change, if the Giants had luck with their injuries, they could win as many as 10 games this year. But I, I pretty much guaranteed they will win eight. Now, they've won seven so far. So to be frank with you, I'm a little surprised how it's kind of come to this, but I'm not surprised that they've won seven with a month left to play.
2: I think anybody uh, in the Eagles media will probably acknowledge Ooh. that last year when the Eagles played New York in, uh, in New Jersey, I met life. Jalen Hurts played his worst game of his career. Uh, he had four turnovers, uh, three picks, one fumble. It was easily his worst game. Um, The way he's playing this year is at a very high level, and he's kind of, you know, took that next step. Um, What do you think is the best game plan for the Giants to slow him down on Sunday? Pray. (laughs) (laughs) I respect it.
0: Look, look, guys, guys, seriously. Zion Gilbert Mm -hmm. made his NFL debut last week and got picked on by Heineke on that fourth quarter drive. And it cost the Giants dearly. They had missed tackles on the two touchdown passes that were catching runs. But in all honesty, Heineke knew. And Gilbert paid the price. Um, they had McLeod uh, at the other corner. Uh, this guy had just come off the Buffalo Bills waiver list. And until the last couple of weeks had only been a special teams player. And he's out there playing corner. Cordell Flott, who was a rookie drafted out of LSU and had been hurt with a groin injury, had not been able to even to practice for most of the early part of the season, finally gets healthy and cleared. And here he is basically like in his second game. I mean, in, in, you know, taking legitimate snaps. I mean, this is what the Giants are dealing with in the secondary, fellas. Honestly, I think the Giants offensively, All right, you asked, what do they have to do to win? Mm -hmm. Offensively, the Giants need to get their running game going, obviously. There's no question. I think the the weaknesses on the Eagles, I don't think their linebackers are very good. I think you can run against them, and I think you could beat their linebackers with the short passing game virtually all day long, okay? Those are the two weaknesses, in my opinion. Otherwise, the Eagles are strong in every other area, and they seem to have fixed their special teams last week. So you know, they've got everything else going. So if I'm the Giants, yeah, you got to be able to run it and you got to be able to control uh, the ball with the short pass. But on defense, I just. Uh, their secondary is ravaged. Right. I don't know how they're supposed to cover. Can they get the NFL to give them a waiver so that they can yeah. use three extra players on defense this week?
1: No, just like when we. Couple of years ago, I had to go through what was it like twenty-seven renditions of an offensive line, um, the Jamon Brown years, if you will. Uh, no, you don't get a special waiver for that. Uh, uh-uh, no, 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 you don't.
0: <laughs> so that that's the thing. Defensively, what Wake Martindale is going to have to scheme it and scheme it and scheme it and hope to confuse Jalen Hurts, which he may right. be able to do because Wake Martindale is a defensive wizard and a guru. Jalen Hurts is still a young greenish-type quarterback in this league. I know he has, through osmosis, played like Donovan McNabb all season long. Okay? I get it. I get it. I never thought much of him. All right? Never did. But this year, he's playing like Donovan McNabb. So can Wick Martindale, through his defensive wizardry, do enough to confuse Jalen Hurts? And can some of these guys – make some plays above the X's and O's and somehow do something to keep the Eagles offense in check to where the giants offense. I think, I think the giants can score 20 or so on them, maybe even Mm -hmm. a little bit more. I just don't know how the giants hold Philadelphia under 30. Right.
3: Yeah. And that's, and that's one thing. If you look at the giants and you're, you're talking about the injury bug and everything, and you know, maybe it has to do with the the crappy turf that everyone's complaining about that that life. Um, but with with what you're talking about with the injuries and the type of players that have to you know suit up in the secondary, the Eagles have AJ Brown, who terrorized his former team last Sunday. You have the yeah. Smith. Um, yeah, there's no Dallas Goddard. I don't know what the um, what Kres Watkins and everything, but the Eagles can run the ball. It just feels that it if the Giants are gonna want to win the game, like you said, they're gonna have to score and they're gonna have to outscore the Eagles. Uh, but my thing, my question has to do with Wink Martindale, and you brought up the Giants blitz forty point eight percent of the time. They're number one in the league in blitz, the blitz percentage, heavy blitz percentage. That's what Wink does. He he tries to he disguises everything. He he tries to get you off kilter. He tries to make you uncomfortable. Now my question is, with that being, you know, they only have they they're tied for twenty second in sacks with twenty five. So yes, they're blitzing a lot. They're not. I guess getting home as much as you would think, but with a young quarterback like Hertz, but what he's been doing this year, do you feel that heavy blitzing may not be the total answer against a quarterback like him? Or do you think them, do you think he kind of does the same thing they did against Lamar
0: Jackson? All right, well, let's put it to you this way. Wake Martindale, everybody likes sacks, but wake Martindale is more interested in pressures and quarterback Mm -hmm. hits. Now, I don't have the pressure totals, but, for example, and I appreciate the fact that the Eagles have a terrific defensive front, so I'm going to give you two numbers here. On the season, the Eagles have 80 quarterback hits and the Giants have 74. Do you you need me to do the math? That's not a lot of difference, is it? No. And that's what Wink Martindale's more about, okay, because he believes that quarterback hits and quarterback pressures – impact the game he wants to be disruptive with the pass rush enough that it impacts the game and 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 why is that important well because hits on the quarterback do take something out of a quarterback over the course of a game that absolutely impacts his play pressures look if you get a sack you may sack the guy for a 10-yard loss but a hurry may actually force him to throw an interception what Mm -hmm. would you rather have the interception of the sack. So Wink is the philosophy that I need pressure on the quarterback. I need hits on the quarterback. And if the sack numbers are there, that's great. So that's my one answer to you in terms of, of that situation. Um, in terms of how do you play it? Wink, Wink believes that if you're going to die, you die on the Hill that, that, that brought you there. So he's going to keep coming. He's not going to lay back. He's going to keep coming. He is going to force Hurts to read what's, ha- what's happening, and he's going to try to intimidate him, and he's going to force him to try to uh, figure out what's what's going on, where they're coming from, who's coming. I call Wink Martindale's defense. I I've coined this phrase up here in New York. I've never heard anybody call it before. I went up to him several weeks ago, and I said, Wink, I have a name for your defense. If no one's ever <laughs> given you one, I've got one. I call it the kaleidoscope defense okay? because you never know what's coming. You never know. And he's giving you a different look all the time. He says, well, I just call it the positionless defense because I may have a, a safety play in edge rusher. I may have a safety play in middle linebacker. I may have a corner play in safety. He says, my guys need to play. I like to put 11 defensive players on the field. And I have things that I need to get done. And I don't care what position they have on the roster. Right, I need them to do certain things on a certain play. So I call it the positionless defense. I said, Wink, kaleidoscope defense. He goes, you know, I really like that. <laughs> you know, I still haven't said the look. The, the, the papers don't want to pick it up. I get it. They don't right. want to give credit to people who are smarter than they are. That's fine. But it's the kaleidoscope defense. And, and so – Wink is going to keep bringing that kaleidoscope defense and keep Hurts guessing as to what colors and what combinations are going to come up into his window. And hopefully the Giants will be able to do something with that and and turn him over. I mean, that's, in all honesty, that's their best chance on defense, in my opinion. They're going to have to get some turnovers.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, you know, interesting because we – Again, we're, we're of the Jim Johnson era of defense, you know, and it doesn't, in my opinion, get better than what Jim Johnson used to bring. And, you know, we're obviously sitting here with a watered-down version um, with the, you know, sticks defense that we currently like to play. Um, but it leads me into the the other side of the ball. And I know last year when we were talking to various Giants people, and I, Javier, I love that, you know, your comments are asking basically the same thing. There was concern about Saquon Barkley due to the – overwhelming injuries um that he he couldn't stay healthy for a season he seems to knock on would have corrected that but we all know that there is a shelf life for running backs in the nfl Uh, but i think the bigger question has always been daniel jones um who was drafted exceptionally highly out of college to replace um the a, a giants legend in eli manning Have any of those questions been answered? Because I know in Philadelphia we went into the season with questions about Jalen Hurts. They're a long answer. He is the quarterback of the next 10 years. There's no question. Is Daniel Jones the quarterback or is he a stopgap still?
0: He's the guy. Okay. From from my understanding, uh, they will try to sit down with him and get him his extension during the offseason. They've decided he's the guy as far as I know. And and that doesn't surprise me. He's played extremely well this year. Uh, he has adapted to this system uh, remarkably quickly, considering he's had four offensive coordinators in yeah. five years. When you go back to his last year at college and you have to count that because it's a system that he had to learn and then unlearn right. to learn a new one. Um, so there's no doubt there's, there's 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 no doubt in my mind whatsoever that that they want him to stay and that they want Saquon Barkley to stay. Mm-hmm. In a perfect world, I think they believe that they can get Daniel Jones to stay at a reasonable price because, okay. let's face it, you know, fellas, I, I, I'll i say this. Let me, let me say this first. I think in a best-case scenario for the Giants, they can get Jones in a three- or four-year contract at a reasonable deal and then worry about doing their deal with Barkley. And if Barkley can't come to terms – They'll have the tag to use on him. And the okay. running back tag next year is going to be one year for about $10.2 million, which isn't so bad for a guy who's probably going to wind up with 1,500 yards rushing. Okay? That's not overly expensive. That's not terrible. Yeah, no, it's not terrible. So, so I can see that working for the Giants very well if for some reason they can't get both guys signed. It is my belief they want both guys to stay. Now, why do why do I, I, I talk about this? Well, here's the thing. When you look at what the Giants have done, they've gone back in a lot of ways to more of the Parcells Giants from yesterday Mm -hmm. where they want their offensive line to be tough and physical and be a a run-based team. And then they want to make key plays. They want their defense to keep people out of the end zone and they want their quarterback to be smart. See, the big problem with today's world is that most football fans and and these are not real football fans. These right. are these are fake football fans, known as fantasy football fans. Okay? Fantasy football fans believe that their fantasy points equate to the quality of the player, which could not be more untrue. Right. Okay? Gamblers look at their over/unders And their points, and did the guy score a touchdown or not score a touchdown? Did he have 35 completions? Those guys equate those numbers with quality football players. Well, guess what? Both of those segments of the population know nothing about real football, okay? They can play their fantasy football. They can have Phillip Rivers on their team. They can have Tony Romo on their team. Do you want to win Super Bowls? Do you want to win playoff games? Okay, that's what it comes down to. If you're a real football fan, you understand why guys like Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley are very important to a team and are going to warrant extensions. If you're a fantasy football fan, you'll want no part of Daniel Jones and you may not want Barkley because he doesn't score enough touchdowns and he doesn't catch enough passes and doesn't get enough receiving yards. Okay. to help your stupid fantasy football team. I think fantasy football and sports gambling has done more to take away the the knowledge of the real game from fans because they're so concentrated on a gobbledygook.
1: Just to make your point even more so, I just did a quick side-by-side comparison. Uh, Jalen Hurts is at a 68% completion percentage this year. Daniel Jones is at 66%. He also is eleven and four as far as touchdowns and interceptions. So looking at those stats, what you're saying does back it up as far as he's protecting the ball, he's completing passes at a, a decently high rate, um, and he's kind of guiding. I don't. I, I guess my question for the whole Daniel Jones thing was simply: Do you see him as a takeover quarterback of that upper echelon quarterback? I, I personally don't, but he's doing enough to lead the team, which I think is what you you were kind of saying. Well,
0: I look at it this way, fellas. Again, it's not about fantasy football. You know, do you think Bill Parcells or Buddy Ryan gave a horse's ass about fantasy football stats? I do not. I do not think and, so. others? No. No. Jim McMahon? Jim McMahon would, would have been an absolute loser in fantasy football. But the dude was a winner. Right. The dude was a winner. That's what, you know, so, so Daniel Jones, to me, He's probably right around, in my mind, the 15th best starting quarterback in the National Football League. Honestly. I think he's right around 15, which would be middle of the pack, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. we got 32 teams in the league. And I think he's probably right around that point, somewhere around 15, give or take a spot or two, depending on the week. Okay? Yeah. What's wrong with that?
3: Nothing.
1: No, and the thing <laughs> is,
0: if
3: you, if, you, if you can protect the football – you can win games in the league, and that's what it's about. It's about winning football games. It's not about you know putting up all these stats. All these stats is all all good and right. well, and nice, it looks great. But hey, Justin Herbert puts up a ton of stats and they stink. So it it's about winning football games, it's about protecting the football, and that's what he's doing this year, which is equated to them being seven, four, and one. They're winning football games because he's not turning the ball over, which they can't afford with unfortunately. The receiving core that he has—if he has a better receiving core yeah, and really players—if you—if mm-hmm. you give him the Eagles' receiving core and those type of players, his numbers and everything's going to be a whole heck of a lot better. And, and, and I didn't I've even go there.
0: I didn't yeah. even go to the receiving core because I don't want people to think I'm using that as an excuse. Yeah, I'm simply going with what I see, and and I get also by the way, I think one loss records for quarterbacks are about as dumb as any yep. stat in the history of pro football. But I do think it's relevant that he has four fourth-quarter comebacks this year and five game-winning drives. Mm-hmm. I do think that's relevant because, as Ernie he always used to tell us, he said when, when he went to scout Eli Manning, he said, my idea of a quarterback, and, of course, he goes back to the Colts days with Johnny Unitas and then John Elway, obviously yep. – uh, you know, with that whole trade thing that it all worked out, and blah, 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 blah. And he had Brian Sipe in Cleveland, right? So Ernie used to say, my litmus test for a quarterback, I need to know that in the fourth quarter with about two minutes to go, if I need my guy to go to length of the field and score a touchdown to win, that I got a realistic chance of getting that. If I do, then that guy's good enough to be my quarterback. Yeah. Daniel Jones has proven that. Over and over and over again already this season. I, I don't know what else he's got to do except please fantasy football people and gamblers, which he's not going to bother doing.
1: He's not going to bother doing. It. And that's where there's so much of a focus on the NFL, as you've already mentioned. And it's the people who don't really necessarily understand it. Um, and I love that you alluded to that because we're dealing with the same thing going into this season with Jalen Hurts. There was also the litmus test of, you know, can he pass the ball? Now his stats are kind of backing it up. Uh, as well, which is why you know there's a little less chatter, at least in Philadelphia. Um, he's got some great
0: targets to throw to now. <laughs> he sure does.
1: He sure does. Uh, you know, he had everything he's got he needed. A little help,
0: and by the way, he's got a hell of an offensive line in front of him too.
1: He has the best offensive line in football because they Here all went go. to Statland Here University.
0: And, and they nine seven yard rusher with him in the backfield. Yes, they do.
1: <laughs> yes, he
3: does. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and... It, it helps, believe me. It helps. It all helps. And, and
0: Mike Kafka, the Giants offensive coordinator, who was with the Eagles, might also have put up 10 wins by now if he had all those guys around him.
1: Taylor Heineke would have put up 10 wins. Like, it's we mentioned, like, can you just win a game? Taylor Heineke is still a stole quarterback in this NFL. Why? Because he just wins games. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah, that's what it's about, you know, winning games. Now, I want to get – uh, last segment here. I want to get your—if you want to give a prediction, or even if you don't want to do a prediction, give a key matchup. Um, if not, uh, whatever is there, but also the lock of the week. Your Uleka lock. All
0: right. Well, as far as a prediction, look, uh, fellas, Bill Parcells used to tell us all the time: you go into every game, and you have to find, as a head coach, even if you're an underdog, you have to find the path to victory. And many times, you'll find two, three, four, or five paths to victory. That is a narrative of how the game can play out with you coming out on top. The problem for the Giants here is that the Eagles have many paths to victory and the Giants really don't have very many. The seesaw is like this on Sunday.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Philadelphia is a heavy favorite and deservedly so. Look at who the Giants have available, especially on defense, Mm -hmm. to play in this game. I mean, seriously. I, I, no disrespect to those guys. And I know Washington beat Philadelphia about a month ago. So mm-hmm. to me, hey, guess what? That <laughs> is hope. um. But I already gave you the way the Giants have to do it, okay? Yeah. I, I told you what they got to do. They got to confuse Hurts. They, uh, they've got. they got to get some interceptions and turnovers, from some forced fumbles. Um, they're going to have to run the ball, Get the, use the short pass, um that that's that's how the Giants that that to me all those things together have to happen and that's their best path and maybe only path to victory here so do I think the Eagles will win and in, in control of the game absolutely I do okay that's the bottom line so but they still got to play what is right. what is uh, the other thing you asked me for what is my the, overall the
1: luck you have to make oh, a about
0: something that's going to happen. Oh, baby, do I know what the lock of the week is. There'll be at least one illegal formation called against every offense in the NFL this week. Because these referees can't help themselves. That's why. <laughs> oh, there you go. God. There's my lock of the week.
1: I love that. Johnny, that's you cool. have to stat track all the officiating this weekend.
0: All
3: you got to do is go to each game and see the penalties. It's not that hard. True.
1: Sure.
0: It is yeah. amazing. Fellas, where are they getting this from? Either somebody never explained to the officials what, what's going on with that penalty, or the coaches never got word. Like, okay, all of these things that are in your playbook, they can't be used because it requires illegal formation. And they bring not. referees
1: to training camp. That's what kills. Like, they don't want to go through a series of their plays like, hey, can we do this? Can we do this? Can we do Actually, this? Actually, they do. The I know. They
0: make the rounds. I go to every training
1: camp every summer. So yeah. uh, let me ask you this, and I, I'm kind of playing into your um, well-seasoned background, right? So you were, <laughs> so okay. you were there. Just
0: say that I'm old. It's okay.
1: I don't. Uh, so you were there before instant replay. You obviously yes. have seen it progress. Um yes. Do you feel? Like it's working at maximum capacity. Do you feel that some of these calls that are happening or not happening should be reviewable? I mean, the one that jumps into my mind was the, the the Dallas Goddard injury, where they reviewed whether or not the fumble occurred and whether he was down, but they never reviewed the fact that his face was ripped entirely off. My opinion: if they look at instant replay and it's a a score or a game-changing play and a penalty is not called, they should be able to. You know, post throw a flag. Are we doing too much replay? Are we not doing enough? What are your thoughts on instant replay currently in the NFL? Um I th-
0: I don't think you should be able to post penalize somebody because of what you see on a replay. Okay. But here's what I will say. Okay. There there's an official upstairs in every press box, right? Who who has the ability then? to buzz down and talk downstairs. And I know the replay reviews actually are now done in New York as opposed right. to up in the box. But there is a there is a referee up in the skybox at every game, an official, an, an off-field official. All right. What I would like to see is that is there if there is an obvious infraction, an obvious infraction that he can see that his guys on the field missed, I would like him to be able to hit the buzzer, And say, guys, hold on. I need to be able to just take a quick glance at this again. Because I'm up here. You didn't see it down there. I do think there was a problem here. I'd like to fix it. Mm -hmm. That's what I'd like to see. I mean, for example, fellas, I know, Philly, you probably didn't get a chance to see the Giants-Washington game. Did you know there were three egregious, and I'm not talking subjective, I'm talking about three <laughs> egregious plays, penalties, two penalties, and a missed spot of the ball that the referee screwed up at the end of the Giants game. Did you did you see it? Did you see the end of the game?
1: We we saw the end of the game because once our um, demolition of the Titans ended, we did get cut over to the end of that okay. game. What you may have missed is that in the final moments of that overtime
0: game, Daniel Jones completed a pass to the Washington. A 43-yard line. Okay. Okay? And would have gotten the Giants a first down at the 43 as they were trying to get at the field goal range at the end of overtime. Well, when Richie James got up and turned to hand the ball to the referee, a Washington defender went up to him, grabbed his arm, and tried to take the ball out of his hands as the clock is running so that the Giants would lose seconds off the, the clock. Right. That is an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty and a fifteen-yard flag.
1: At the bare it minimum, a of delay of game. At the bare minimum,
0: right? And it happened right in front of the referee, who was looking to grab the ball from Richie James, and he did not. He did not flag him. How how does that not happen? And right. by the way, the fifty-eight-yard attempt by Graham Gano to win the game was probably about three and a half yards short. There's the penalty. So, and that, that that's a game changer. Penalty, okay. On top of that, when the referee didn't call the penalty and then spotted the ball, he put it down at the forty-five instead of the forty-three-yard line. So, on spotting the ball, he cost the Giants two yards. Now, I want the guy up in the in the skybox to be able to buzz down to the ref and say, "Oh, time out a second. You miss yeah. spotted the ball." Can we spot the ball on the right spot? I mean, come on, fellas. You know no, how much I... you know how much is involved in this game? How much, how these players they bleed, they sweat, they play with broken bones. These coaches stay up 25 hours a day, and then you can't spot the ball right, and the league can't fix that? That's a joke.
1: And, and I think that's that's the concern. Is that why I was asking the question is as as fans. You know, a lot of people are quick to just, you know, blame the officials. And, again, there is there, there's 90 different things that happen in a game where one thing that the officials do shouldn't change the outcome of the game. The example you gave. In this
0: case, it did. It was and, literally changed. Just get the call last, right. On that last series, there is also, as the Giants are lining up and they're spiking the ball and they're trying to get the field goal unit on, mm-hmm. one of the Redskins defensive ends didn't just line up in the neutral zone He was actually across the line of scrimmage with his hand. How do you miss that? You can't. It's impossible. There's a line judge right on the line of scrimmage. If he doesn't see a space or gap above the ball, he's supposed to throw a penalty flag. You can't miss that. That's not a judgment call. Right. Okay. This, This, and when you're in the quicksand of mediocrity, those calls, those calls cost you wins. They change the outcome of games and they change the outcome of people making the playoffs. There's something wrong with that.
1: Yeah, I, I my soapbox, my man. I'm sorry. No, listen, that's why I, 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 I had a hunch talking to you that you had some thoughts because we were in a game this weekend where it was the false start game and you were in a game this weekend where some, some calls were noticeably egregiously missed. So I, I was happy to kind of get you up on your soapbox. Well, um, it's,
0: it's not about judgment calls. I'm talking about, this is, this is, this is there black and white, black and right. white stuff. You got to fix the black and white stuff. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about right. judgment pass interference. We're talking about black and white stuff.
1: Right and, and I I know as a baseball umpire that's kind of where I go. Like I can say, "Hey, we don't argue balls and strikes or judgment calls. We we can have a conversation about a rule, but we're not judgment calls are non-negotiable." Uh, listen, Paul, where can the people find you cuz you've been fantastic tonight. Where can the people find you all the amazing things you do?
0: Uh, I'm at Giants WFAN on Twitter. I don't do TikTok. I don't do Facebook <laughs> and I don't do Instagram. Surprise, right? I'm Fred Flintstone. Yabba Dabba Do. At least I do Twitter, uh, and at least I was able to get this machine working to do this interview. Uh, yes, You, you can also find me. You can also find me on uh, WFAN Radio doing Giants pre and post game shows, and also uh, on MSG Television for the Giants pre uh, pre pre game and post game shows as well.
1: It's great. Paul, oh, you were. Incredible tonight. We we don't normally keep our guests on 43 minutes, but let me tell you, I didn't want to let you go, but we are gonna let you go. We appreciate you. Um, tell tell Phil Sims that we were the better interview, because I know we were. Um <laughs> also we're gonna let you go. Well, oh, also, oh Johnny has a hand hey, up. By also. the way,
0: Phil thinks the Eagles are absolutely fantastic. He, oh now I think I think he went as far as to say he does think they're the best team in the league. All right, maybe
3: i got to get Phil Sims on here to talk some Eagles then. I guess that would be a, a play. Because hey, well, Johnny's first
1: question would be to bring up the rankings of quarterback from last year. That would be his fr- – first. Yeah, that's, that's,
3: his- that's his kid. That's Chris. I'm not talking about uh, him. We'll, we'll, we'll throw his okay. kid under the bus. <laughs>
1: no,
3: nah, he does that himself. Um, but, no, th- thanks again, Paul. Uh, we usually have uh, Lance Meadow comes on, uh, but uh, change it up a little bit. Uh, get a little bit more, you know, boisterous. Well, and, Lance is with-
0: our, part of our broadcast team. He's a mm-hmm. lot shorter than I am. He's not <laughs> Italian. He's not as outspoken as I am, and he's a hell of a lot younger than I am too.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna have to tell him that when, when we have him on uh, later in the season for the the next time the Eagles play, I'll have to let him know that uh, all that stuff that you did mention. <laughs> you know. Again, thanks again, Paul. We really appreciate it. Keep uh, keep in touch. We'll we'll probably have you on in the future. You were absolutely awesome.
0: All right, fellas. Thank thanks you. Uh, for the time. Appreciate it. It's been fun talking to you. Have a great
1: holiday, everybody. You, you too, too, Paul. Thanks. Holidays. Everyone, don't go anywhere. We are coming AAT right back.
2: AAT Sports Network is brought to you by Vinny's Pizza and Restaurant,
1: located in Allentown off the Iroquois Trail. Visit them at Vinny'sPizzaPA.com today. Stuff to the grills. Also located in Allentown off the Iroquois Trail offers a unique twist on the traditional sandwich shop. They will cater to your every need. www.stufftothegrills.com and get your grub on. Doan Distillery. Crafted cocktails assembled the way you want. Located in the trolley barn at 116 East Broad Street in Quakertown. They relax and have a cocktail, and you should too.
3: All right, he was so great. On. He was fantastic. Great interview. Talking a little. Uh... Giants, uh Eagles, Giants there. So want to get into this game on Sunday, the absolute demolition of the <laughs> Tennessee <laughs> Titans. Eagles so win great. 35 to 10. Uh they basically control every facet of the game, which was which was great to see. We had we had our concerns. Uh some of us were a little more scared than others, um, on what we were hoping to see, what we wanted to see. Um twas and die. Yeah. Uh, but Eagles get they get the win. They're eleven and one, and it it's awesome with the way they did this because we were waiting for a game like this. And the Tennessee Titans, yes, they were a little beat up. Uh, they had some injuries during the game as well. But our main thing was controlling Derrick Henry.
2: Yeah.
1: And
3: Derrick Henry ran the ball for eleven times for thirty yards. The he Eagles was a
1: won. non-factor. Yeah,
3: absolutely a non-factor. So. Um, uh, what we'll do is we'll give a little quick synopsis from each of us on what we, what else we thought, uh, I kind of think I, um, uh, we'll do that. And then we'll kind of get into a little bit, uh, what we liked everything and then get into the giants at preview and then kind of wrap this up, get into our locks. Uh, some of us are doing better than others, but, uh, Kendall, what did you think of this, uh, Eagles Titans game? And, uh, you know, you're pretty boisterous and talking, uh, on Twitter and everything about Jalen hurts, you know, he, he showed it out again.
2: Yeah, Jalen's been, been balling. Um, he had his best game of the year. Best game probably of his career yesterday, um, on Sunday. Uh, he played phenomenal. Um, I think it just speaks to how good the team is. Um, we aren't even fully healthy. Uh, you know, we played sloppy. You know, The offensive line had, you know, penalty after penalty. I think we had 12 total. And I think it just speaks to how good this team is when you can have 12 penalties, um, you know, you play sloppy and you still win by 25 points and your starters didn't even play the fourth quarter so you know this team can win in any fashion whether they're you know holding teams to under 10 points or you know rushing for 300 yards or passing for 300 they've been displaying it the past two weeks in many different fashions and just speaks to how good this team is and Jalen's a big reason for that. And, you know, a lot of credit goes to him because he's definitely the MVP front runner. That's for sure. So
3: I think he's got to be the MVP front runner. What he's able to how, do, how I, can't understand, you? I understand Patrick Mahomes and what he's okay. But again, they have three losses. Eagles are 11 and 1. Jalen has been playing out of his mind. He runs for 157 yards, 100, 150 passing yards. Then the next week, he throws for 380 yards, three touchdowns, rushes for another. It's just. It, it's that unbelievable aspect of what he's doing because he's showing you that's okay. They looked at the Tennessee Titans and I mentioned it uh last week. You're looking at their secondary and mm-hmm. a couple of injuries, you know, Elijah Molden wasn't playing. You had some guys that were being in there and then um they had Christian Fulton gets hurt uh, on the AJ Brown touchdown. The second time he went to try and get to the first time he was out of bounds. Second time next play. Uh, Christian Fulton gets hurt, and then they have Trey Avery there, and they're just trying to mix match all these guys. And Jalen knows they, they're playing off. I'm just gonna ding, 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 and then even go a little deeper and get down the field, and then score touchdowns. And it's just, it's amazing to see that. And yes, the penalties were a little concerning. Um, yeah, watching them thinking, oh my god, again, come on, let's. But it didn't didn't matter. They were still able to move the change chains, keep going. And they just basically stopped any pass rush. You know, Jeffrey Simmons was nowhere to be found. One of the best interior interior pass rushers, interior defensive linemen in the NFL. And they just stopped them. Bud Dupree was a a non-factor. They weren't able to get a a pass rush at all. And then when they started to bring some blitzes, it was just a quick, all right, going there, up, going there, quick there, quick there. And it's just... It's very fun to be able to see that because every time they have the ball, you think they're going to be able to score. And you didn't you didn't have that last year, and it was something that you wanted to see. And they can do it whether it's running the ball, whether it's passing right. the ball. And against a very good Titans team, a very good coached team in the Tennessee Titans, they were able to just absolutely take over that game.
2: And also, I think yeah, – go ahead, Kendall. No, I got you that also speaks to like how good the team is like to have all those penalties and to overcome them like the next play, like, um, what was it that third down when there was a penalty where it was in the first half and and they scored the next play. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you shoot yourself in the foot, they continue to make up for it. And that just speaks to how good they are. So no. And I think that, I
1: mean, early on in Sirianni's tenure, um, There were the penalty concerns. We were the most penalized team in the league. And you saw shades of that again. I don't know if it was just an – I mean, even the announcers were making fun of it. Like, oh, we're going to go three plays without a penalty. So I don't know if it was just a flag-happy crew or if it was – I mean, we were jumping every time. It was was –
2: Apparently, they were trying to go on a hard count and – Maybe that's why, like you know, everyone jumped. Like every, you can, I can name at least what four guys. But had a false start. Lane had a false start. Kelsey had one himself. I mean, everyone. But maybe Say didn't have one. But apparently, they're go on a hard count to mess with right. Tennessee. And I think they just didn't understand. Like they weren't. We, a, didn't, we
1: didn't. We didn't need series. to. And I think that's. And I think that's what we're talking. we didn't need to go on a hard. count. And I think what I enjoyed the most about the game is. Johnny, you mentioned the secondary for the Titans was a bad secondary. So what do they do? They game planned that this is what we're going to do. We are going to almost abandon the run game entirely, and we're going to pass because that's what's going to work. Unlike coaches of the past who have gotten very set in their ways, and no matter who they're playing, our game plan is our game plan. I think you see, especially with the offensive side of the ball. Maybe not so much the defense. I saw some concerns about you know the sticks defense and the you know the rushing and all that stuff. It gets better, but whatever. I think that offensively we do game plan very well based on the strengths and the weaknesses of our opponents. As you heard Paul say tonight, the Giants secondary is an abomination. Look for a pass heavy game on Sunday.
3: And the thing about that too is, you know, looking at the Giants and looking at their their defense, they do also give up 141 rushing yards. Yeah. <laughs> And there's 26 in the NFL. So the other thing to watch out for uh, with their injury report is Leonard Williams only played 35 snaps on Sunday, came out of the game early with a neck issue. Now it is looking like potentially he will be able to play. But again, Brian Dable did say it's a little too early to tell right now. And you're going to know more in the coming days, but if they don't have Leonard Williams, that's going to be a big loss, especially interior wise Mm -hmm. on that defense. And of course they're they're going to be blitz happy. That's that is what Wink Martindale does. But the fact that this isn't the Jalen Hurts that they played last year and I know Wink Martindale wasn't there last year and you know it's a, it's a different um defense overall. But again, they blitzed Jalen Hurts heavy last year because of inexperience and how he was playing, but right now if you're going to blitz him and you're going to leave these guys on the island with an AJ Brown, a Devonte Smith. Yep. To me, it's just, you're really, uh, you're really picking your poison there because if you, if your blitz doesn't get home and he's able to you know pick you apart, or if you blitz and overcompensate one way and he's able to run the ball and get out, whether it's wide open space, there's a lot there. And especially with what Paul was saying, you're, you can be blitz happy. You can be aggressive in all the the lines of that, but, if you have a lot of guys injured and you have a lot of guys that weren't on rosters week one or guys who are on the practice squad, you're calling up guys from the practice squad, a lot of inexperience there and where there's inexperience, there's mishaps and there could be miscommunications and Mm -hmm. along the lines of that, which could bode beneficial to this Eagles offense. And one thing that I'm looking for and really focusing on is how the Eagles offensively, deploy their scheme, what they want to do on Sunday. Yep. Yes, your eyes can point to them saying, hey, Adoree Jackson may not play. Darnay Holmes may not play. Are, you're going to have the, the secondary Nick McLeod and Cordell Flott and Zion Gilbert and these guys thinking, okay, I'm just going to go pass, pass, pass. But also, if Leonard Williams doesn't play, do you go ahead and then run the ball and use the run game knowing you got a little bit lighter with Henry Mondo and, you know, Justin Ellis and Jihad Ward. And to me, it's if they're able to run the ball, then that play action and that RPO is going to be even more dangerous because mm-hmm. he, what is this inexperience of the giants defense going to do over pursue, overextend themselves. Then Jalen's just going to go over the top. He's just going to pick them apart and Hey, I'm okay with that. I, I can live with that.
2: Yeah, me so, too. Uh, oh, to, to go to the defense, um, I know, Chip, you said something about defense, how you had some uh, critiques. Personally, like, I hate to do this because I feel like every time I give Gannon his flowers, like, he always seems to take a step back. But, like, we need to admit that this defense is balling out. Like Agreed. Like, su- Sunday was insane. I mean, granted, they had nobody at receiver, and, you know, Henry's really the only part of their, their offense – but I mean, if you see Reddick and Sweat come off the edge, they look mm-hmm. like they're flying, like they're out of the cannon, just flying, and they, they lay some nasty hits on Tannehill. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they had him in the like world of hell on Sunday, and the linebackers are playing great. Edwards is is looking that we How need. About Nakobe,
3: I Nikobe. mean, look at him.
2: This that was amazing. Played, this man played half half the snaps of the guys and is out here leading guys in tackles and. You know, maybe the team won't re-sign Kai's year next year, and hopefully N'Kobe can get that that um, starter role. But he looked phenomenal. And then even without CJGJ and Avante, like, this defense is doing an incredible job. And I don't care if it's just Tannehill or whatnot. Like, But if this defense can play the way it did on Sunday, the way it did against Giants, like, Daniel Jones is going to have the longest of his career. Yeah. Like, he has he, he's think- so in- – good.
1: No, I was just going to agree with you. I, I'm not so concerned about the players because, you know, you looked at Blankenship and he played great. You look at Marcus Epps. He's been playing great, right? The safeties have been playing. Everyone's been playing really well. My concern continues to go to Gannon and the scheme. His scheme is the sticks defense does not work. We dealt with with Schwartz. When we are able to just to pin our ears back and put them in the third and long and blitz them and you know eliminate the run game. So Tannehill had to pass. We're exceptional. My concern um is still the quick passes. Um, and you even heard Paul say that. I mean, that's that's one of my concerns, is because we do play so far back off the line that those quick passes will be open all day. You saw with Taylor Heineke, that's why they were able to beat us. The Titans decided to. Just abandon it entirely, um, and we dominated. I think that Dable, who is more of an offensive-minded coach than uh, Vrabel is, is going to look at that Commanders film and go, "This is the only way we can win." That's my only concern in this game, but I still don't think that the Giants have enough.
3: So the the way I look at the Giants too, and we look at their offense and we look at their receiving receiving core with. Really lack thereof, and uh-huh. what I could see the Eagles doing is kind of doing what they did with Tennessee, and a lot of a lot of what they did was they brought, I think they brought Marcus Epps more closer to the box, and playing an extra defensive back in there, because Saquon Barkley is their offense, and you know Daniel Jones can run the ball too. He's not uh, a slow uh quarterback. You know R- Ryan Tannehill was running the ball and before he kind of dinged up his ankle and everything, but you got to watch Ooh. their running game because if they're able to stop the running game and you make them pass heavy, just take a look at on Thanksgiving when they weren't, weren't able to really to run the ball like they wanted to also had to do with the fact that their defense wasn't stopping the Cowboys. Like Cowboys were able to put up mm-hmm. points. You're able to put enough points up on the board. You're going to make them have to pass the ball because you can't run the ball and expect to win. If you're down two scores, all the time. So that's another thing um, that you have to look forward, look forward to hopefully uh, Eagles can be able to put the points up on the board uh, as quick as they were able to
2: on Sunday. To your point about Tannehill uh, running, that was out of the blue. I mean, I Mm -hmm. knew that Tannehill had legs. Like he can, he has a bunch of rushing touchdowns in his career, but I was very concerned at first when he was running. I was like, "Uh Oh, like obviously getting didn't prepare for this. That's, like, something that Daniel Jones has a strength in, in running the ball. And I feel like maybe if, you know, Gannon takes that into account that maybe, like, you know, the guys are in the middle are going to get open and that's, you know, about the short passes, like, that's going to open that up. If Daniel Jones gets his legs running, like, that could be some problem. But I'm hopefully banking on Gannon to take care of that this week. But I was a little concerned at first on Sunday when Tannehill was, was running all over us.
3: Yeah, it is. It's a little concerning. And, you know, just you're looking at, like you mentioned, you know, Kobe Dean playing well, you know, Ship playing really well. But again, the Eagles did make some moves. Uh, unfortunately, Robert Quinn was put on IR, tweaked his knee in practice last week. Uh, he has going to have his knee scoped, so he's on IR, mm-hmm. so he can't return until the end of the season. Most likely, he'll probably return uh, for the playoffs. Uh, Avante Maddox was activated through his 21-day window. Uh, he mm-hmm. hasn't been officially activated to the 53 yet, but his, his practice window has been activated, which is a good sign getting him yeah. back. Um, and Janarius Robinson was activated, so he took uh, the spot of Robert Quinn. I don't really expect him to play, but it's just an extra edge guy, uh, possibly special teams guy. Uh, Andre Sachere was waived, and then you know they did the practice squad stuff. But my thing about the special teams, on Sunday was the first time you saw – yeah, I, I know Britton Covey had a good day just because the punter, yep. the punter just kept hitting line drives, which is fine. I'm fine by that. Uh, let him let, let him get some confidence up. It helps there. But the thing that I was impressed with uh, and he actually played a little defense uh, this guy I'm going to talk to he's played a little bit uh, defense towards the end of the game with all the backups we're in was Christian Ellis. He made a thumping yeah. hit. The he first pun big return tuffles. big time hit and you need that on special teams and you know, I, Ike Reese talked about it. He was one of those guys that would go down and make those, those thumping hits. And, you know, the Eagles have had some guys, you know, Brian Bremen, uh, the Super Bowl year. Before that, you had Jason Short in the early two thousand. You had guys like that that make those, you know, big time hits that are always down there. Oh, for some reason, always finds it. Chris Marigos, another one, you know, always finds the nose. Their, their nose always finds the football. They always are there. And, you know, Sean Bradley's on the injury report within a hamstring. So you could see Christian Ellis called back up from the practice squad uh, to be on special teams again. And I think that's huge. They're able to do those type of things and not give these big returns because that's ultimately what you don't want to be doing is, you know, giving these teams, you know, short fields. And that's what they did to the Packers. And that's why the Packers are able to score so many points when you give Aaron Rodgers all those, those fields. And I thought that was great to see on Sunday. And again, it's going to be. Uh, another big thing to see coming, uh, this Sunday, because Richie James is a electric type of player that can, you know, he, he can break a return. So you're going to have to be able to kind of hone in on him and, um, you know, be able to control him and contain him. Uh, but you know, going into the predictions and the locks, uh, before we wrap this up, do you guys have anything else with this game looking at the giants, uh, Anything that you're looking at, a matchup that you're concerned about, a matchup that you think the Eagles yeah. will take super advantage of? If there's, I, one of th-
1: I don't. I can tell you that right now. I personally do not. Um, it, this game, again, I don't want to sound overconfident, but the Eagles are the better team. Um, oh, yeah. And as long as they play their game, they, there shouldn't be any problems. Um, but, again,
2: you never know. If there's one thing I've noticed this year with Hurts is that um, – he like the one specific game against the Steelers, like he starts out a little funky, like he'll start out slow and he'll have like balls that are underthrown. And we kind of saw that on Sunday when he had that throw to um like a 10-yard out to, to AJ Brown. That was yeah. under throw. That was that was what is at his feet? And then the touchdown to Smitty, that was a little behind him too. But once he gets settled in, like he's just on fire. So again, Hertz had his worst game of his career last year at the giants and not that, you know, and
3: also that got hurt last year. So again, right, Brooklyn, right. perf doesn't injure anybody. They can get it. They can get this win, get out of there and not have to see that right. crap field. Uh, anymore this season.
1: It's so bad. Uh, real quick, Johnny, before we do anything else, I know on your agenda, you brought up one thing. I'm going to say it flat out. Now, OBJ does not need to be a Philadelphia Eagle. No I reason for it in there with everything. If, if, if,
2: if, if we get if the, him, Cowboy, if the Cowboys, if the Cowboys,
1: if the Cowboys passed on him because X, Y, and Z, if all these teams are passing on him because of X, Y, and Z, there's no reason for our wide receiver room. We already have a dominant one and one A. We already have a dominant two. We do not need the drama of getting him up to speed. We don't need, barring injury, there is no reason to sign OBJ to this Philadelphia Eagles
2: team.
3: I thought it was just something to. To just nope. uh, bring up, but
2: uh, nope. I want to at least. I'm it not opposed in there to it if it. happens because quiz Quez's hands hasn't been reliable, but I'm just. But at least he's means, but at least he's, he's in the it.
1: offense, and you need him as a number three. OBJ is not going to play a number three role.
3: Nah, I think you're. you're last you're, year, you're, yeah, he didn't. He sure. let me let me just say this: if he's willing to do it, okay, that's fine. But again, a lot of things have to roll into. He's got to like it, what he wants. He's got to like the he money. He's got, to like, he's got to be healthy. So he's there's a lot of, so I, I don't see it. it. It's just a fun thing to throw out there because they, everyone likes to throw the Eagles out there because it, it garners the most clicks, the most interest. So, um, Boo. you know, that is what it is. But this brings us to one of our favorite, uh, little segments, the Uleka
2: locks. It's time for the Uleka locks of the week. Who's your, lock? who's your lock
3: and last week our locks uh i will start with kendall you had rough one <laughs> chip with 10 tackles he finished with three um three really good tackles but unfortunately they were pretty good tackles they were seven short um chip you had aj brown 100 yards and a touchdown he had i believe 119 and two tutties um one right on the shoulder of Trey Avery, which was lock fun. it up. Um, and I had Jalen Hurts over 275 yards and two touchdowns. Easy, lock it up, lock <laughs> it up. Uh, so I think that's two in a row. I don't think that's three in a for row. both of us. Yeah, I think it's two and two in a row. Yeah, so uh, we're on fire. There, uh, we will start with the loser from last week. Kendall, we'll have you start what with what? your lock.
2: I'll go with the offense to have over 400 yards. Make it yeah. – got got to get on base. You know what I mean? Got to get on yeah. base.
3: Yeah, because your, your lock right now is like the
1: broken one at Walmart. Um, we'll go with Chip. What is your lock of the week? You guys, it's Giants week. You know what that means. Boston Scott with a touchdown this week.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> I think Barry Sanders when he plays the Giants.
1: He's a giant killer, and he's so damn tiny.
3: Giant killer. All right, so my lock of the week, and I I've, I've thought about not doing this game, but since I've had some success the last couple of weeks, I have to stick with this game. And Man. I'm going to go with the Eagles' rushing offense and Miles okay. Sanders. Okay. Miles Sanders will have two touchdowns.
2: Okay. Oh, over like he's at nine
3: right now. I was gonna say, I was gonna say over hundred yards, but I don't want to do that because if they start throwing the ball, he's not gonna. Right. So I'm gonna go. He's gonna have two touchdowns total.
1: But touchdowns. You mentioned you mentioned rushing. Are you saying rushing touchdowns two, or just straight?
3: Two total touchdowns. Got it. Um, hopefully, I get that, but I'm gonna think he's gonna have two total touchdowns because I feel like they will be able to run the ball on the Giants, and yeah, you know, get that lock. Situated, but this brings us now to the prediction portion of the show, and we'll start with you, Chip. What is your prediction for Monday?
1: It's an NFC East matchup, it's our first time seeing the Giants. There is tape out there of how to beat the Eagles. With that being said, the commanders were a more talented offensive team than the giants are if we can stop saquon barkley which we have proven we are able to stop running backs if we can make sure daniel jones doesn't beat us with his feet which again we have proven that we can stop running quarterbacks or chunky white running quarterbacks i do think the eagles are by far the better team Um, i am going 34 14 eagles
2: 34 to 14 kendall I think it's going to be a well-balanced game for the offense. Um, I think we'll probably start out uh, run heavy. And then once the Giants set the box, which they tend to do a lot, um, they'll, you know, try to set up the running game, and then open the pass game. And then, you know, some so one-on-one for A.J. Brown and Smitty. Um, and then defense should get multiple turnovers, especially since Daniel Jones is, like, known for fumbling. Um they get him, If they get him back on third down, like, you know, a good old Reddick strip sack or whatnot. They should win comfortably. I'll say with the score of the 37 to 21.
3: Okay. So I think the defense um, will be able to, you know, get some pressure. Uh, again, we don't know what the offensive line is going to look like. They've had a little mm-hmm. shuffling of that as well. Uh, same with the defense. But I think the Eagles are going to be able to move the ball offensively and i think the defense will be able to uh hone in on saquon and daniel jones um, yeah they'll yeah they'll get one or two of their plays like they usually do but mm-hmm. i got the eagles winning this 27 to 17. um i think it'll start out close just how it usually does um but uh, i 27 17 and just hope for no uh major injuries or anything along, along the lines of that uh, i just worry about playing on this turf so uh but you know you know, get the W, go to twelve and one, uh, because there's some big time matchups coming down the line. So
2: mean you know, when we clinch the playoffs, yeah, yeah, just
3: keep winning, just keep winning. That's all they got to do is just keep winning. But um, with that, you know, it's fun. Uh, there will be uh, a pregame live. Um, I'll be doing the pregame live with the guys at Birds Beers and BS at Dome Distillery in Quaker Town. Um, so uh, come out. Uh, join us say hi Uh, but we'll be doing that at noon on sunday but you know with this you know let's get the win guys and i'm I'm ready for it a victory sunday turns into a nice victory monday
1: true story and we end every show with a wonderful positive and a happy go birds. birds go birds
0: that where hey for all the eagle content you need go follow all about the birds
2: they do a damn thing
0: check them out hey eagles fans i may be in tampa but i know where to find the best eagles content out there check out my friends at all about the birds
1: philadelphia what's up this is your boy Freddie mitchell aka fred x it's all about the bird all birds all the time
0: all birds all the
3: time
1: All About the Birds provides you with weekly analysis, game recaps, informative interviews, and it's all birds all the time.